Hi and welcome back to Cheeky Crypto. My name's Chris and it's fantastic to have you back with us for another video. And in today's video, we spent some time with Mickey Watkins from World Mobile when we were over in Las Vegas. And uh, yeah, look, we're going to get into the interview to talk about everything World Mobile, one that you don't want to be sleeping on. If you enjoy this interview, mash up that like button, subscribe if you haven't subscribed already, tap in that bell, selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video. Right, let's get down to the interview. So uh, thanks for taking the time away from the, the conference to, to spend it with us and our audience. Uh, it's been some time since we last got up, right? Yeah. I don't know how long, but it's been some time. I think I remember you saying, I'm giving up my job and I'm yeah. going all in. Wow, so that would be oh, like wow. two years or so, probably. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And you um, went all in? It was a challenge to give up my job, but I did it. Not from my side, from them making it quite difficult, but um, yeah, like full-time crypto now from, from our side, about 12 people working for us. It's grown significantly since we last I, talked. I, I catch up with you guys quite often, but um, actually Andrew Soper is, your, I think, one of your biggest fans. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I took a picture yesterday with the Cheeky Boys. It was brilliant. So he's, uh, yeah, he's definitely keeps me up to date every week on what's going on. And I think he's a member of your Discord channel and, and uh, watches all your YouTube videos and gains a lot of insight from there. So yeah, you're doing chat, a great job. Chat with Andrew quite a bit on uh, Telegram. So yeah, um, what, what's happened between, you know, when we last talked and, and now for, for, for yourself and World Mobile? It's crazy. Uh, when you were talking, I think we just had two nodes down in a small in a small fishing port in Zanzibar, and we'd just proven the, the concept. Uh, it was the fishermen, and uh, we arrived at the village, 130 people, 140 people. There was one bar of connectivity if you walked one and a half, two kilometers away, and they were able to do uh, mobile banking, uh, but no voice calls available, no data browsing, no anything. And uh, Then we put in the air nodes, and all of a sudden, we came back after the COVID pandemic allowed us to travel, and we saw that the village had turned to 300 people. The fishermen were making a lot more money because they were able to connect and directly message the trader, not, therefore not smoking their fish, which they'd lose uh, $9 on, on, on 10. Uh, and all of a sudden, that changed for them. So we then moved into, okay, we're going to do this in, in Zanzibar, actual stone town, and learn how to build a real sharing economy. We assumed we could build a sharing economy, but actually building one uh, was, was something different. So we delivered. Uh, we built a sharing economy. It's now running full sustaining. Uh, there's around 450, 460 nodes up on WMTScan.com right now. Uh, and then we exported that. We exported that into Nigeria, into Kenya, uh, into Mozambique. Uh, and then we decided, okay, well, this sharing economy looks like it's it's working. You know, we're not going to fall flat on our face. It's generating revenue. We've got a great model going on here. So we then gave that to a backhaul provider in Pakistan. And those nodes are about to come live on WMT Scan as well. That sharing economy is running, but very different to the sharing economy we built because we had to hold hands. We had to grow this baby and make it uh, ready for the ready for the real world. Uh, but in Pakistan, not a single member of staff, not a single truck, not a, a no capex, no opex for World Mobile. So pure adoption of a of a sharing economy. And then of course we're in the United States of, of America right now, the third continent, and now we're ready to bring the sharing economy to the USA. Uh, many people think when you talk about people are unconnected or underserved, it must only be in emerging markets. But actually, we're so ingrained to having a bad quality of service and 
you know, most people know, hold on one second, um, I'm just driving through here, I'm going to lose connectivity, can you bear with me for one second? 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, you've lost connectivity and you regain. And we just accept that. Um, we shouldn't have to accept that. Uh, but it's good because there's a huge opportunity there for, for World Mobile to come and fill in what we call this Swiss cheese. And this Swiss cheese actually makes up a huge amount of population here in the United States of America. Estimated about 60, 70 million people are underserved and 10% of the population uh, are completely unconnected and 30% of the landmass is unconnected. And then of course there's the aerostats. You know, this has always been uh, a vision that we've had to provide a much better way for rural connectivity. And rural connectivity, that those people that are living in those areas are suffering the worst. So uh, that's in the African continent, but that's also here in the USA. So we've just announced that in Mozambique, next week, the first aerostat ever to be commercial is going to be launched. And that's a big, big achievement for us. The technology, the, the effort that we've put in behind actually turning something that was a military uh, application into a commercial application. Um, I probably need to write a book on it one day because it's uh, definitely crammed in into two years enough work for, for 20. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we were all over World Mobile really early on, like from, from an investment point of view and, and that side of things, and loved the, the, the plan, uh, the vision, and, and that side of things. And um, like, it's a monstrous task, right? Like, what were some of the challenges that you've experienced with what you've tried to do over the like, last couple of years? Just getting the sharing economy fine-tuned to the point that we said, OK, this could work anywhere. Like, working in the continent of Africa is like working on extra hard mode, god mode, on a video game. Um, but it wasn't a video game, it was real life. And we had real people backing us and people entered into the sharing economy and there was no option and there is no option to, to fail. But the challenge is governments, regulators, even though they support you, there's private entities out there that um, potentially see you as a threat rather than a compliment. But over time, uh, and as we've gained more status and as we've gained more licenses and as people see that this is for real, then it's become much easier. But I think the, the biggest challenge was actually educating everybody that half the world is unconnected. And not only is that not right, there's a way that we can change that. So building a, a community, building a sharing economy is the way to fix that. And it wasn't possible for anybody, including Google, Microsoft, Facebook, they've all tried. And, you know, they have, they have a lot of money, they have a lot of resources, and they can't do it alone. And you can't do it in such a short amount of time. You know, maybe if, um, if they continue, actually it's going to get worse, not better. Because year on year, capacity increase is uh, 30, 40% in the United States of America. So if you're using 10 gigabytes now, you'll be using 14 gigabytes next year. Well, that's not just a trend that's here, that's a trend that's, that's globally. So the mobile network operators, with their legacy business models, with their legacy infrastructure, they're not able to, to keep up. And it's evident. There's 2.7 billion people unconnected, and arguably around 4 billion people, um, including that 2.7 billion number, that are underserved. Yeah. I mean, um, what, what's on the, the roadmap? Uh, you, you touched on one or two things earlier, but what else is there that you know is on the, the roadmap for, say, the next sort of six months? The next six months is mostly a focus on USA. Yeah. We've got Zanzibar and Kenya to a point where we can say, OK, we, we're still, we can still uh, call you at 11 o'clock at night when you don't come back in. It's a 14-year-old, 15-year-old child, but yeah. it's something we say, OK, you've got some independence. You can, we can trust you to go and do these things. You've got, a, you've got a brain about you to keep yourself safe, and it's self-sustaining. So now the third continent, the United States of America, we're releasing our eSIM, 
that's a, a global traveling eSIM, that's a local SIM and a regional SIM. It connects natively to our infrastructure. And now we're focused on either helping people who need to fix their own problem, so they've got a farm, or they live in a rural area, they don't have connectivity, only have Wi-Fi in the house, uh, but they need to go outside and they don't have any Wi-Fi outside. Uh, so they plug in the SIM via a QR code and all of a sudden they connect to their native infrastructure. But the real focus is on actually creating privacy-based dense networks, uh, part of our dynamic network. So we're focusing now in four different markets, four different states. That's New Mexico, that's here in Nevada, uh, that's Utah, and that's uh, North uh, California. So it's going to be a push now to run something called Operation Airnode. Operation Airnode is where we use data from an application that we've made that's in the World Mobile App called Scan for Points. People scan for points, uh, and when they're scanning, whatever SIM card they've got plugged into their phone, it picks up on the different signals, the throughput of the existing radios that are out there, and quickly identifies where this Swiss cheese is, where these connectivity holes exist. And then we know, okay, now we can send that to our website, and we can start to batch out nodes and say, okay, this area needs 75 band 48 nodes, which is CBRS, a spectrum here in the United States that is uh, free to use. Uh, and it needs four or five band 71 nodes, which is spectrum that we bought recently uh, in the United States of America. T-Mobile have that spectrum, DISH have that spectrum. But we've been using that spectrum for the last two years in the continent of Africa, where it's actually been free to use. So uh, potentially uh, we could be claimed to be leaders in the space with band 71. So that we know that we've got this huge amount of coverage that we can provide with band 71 because it's a, a very low spectrum. And then we know that we've got this fantastic capacity filling ability with the CBRS. So now we focus on these markets, and then we move into 30 other states. Sounds, sounds uh, awesome. It really does. Um, you touched on privacy. What is the, the benefit? You touched on, on it with us off camera, but I think it would be really um, interesting for, for the community to understand more of that privacy aspect um, to, to World Mobile? Probably the closest thing to my heart, right? So I've been in the communications industry for 20 years. I watch WhatsApp come out. I watch it decimate profits because of SMS all of a sudden disappeared. Uh, I watched voice calls change from normal voice calls to voice over IP and then to OTT over the top applications like WhatsApp and Viber. And telecom companies have started to struggle. And there's uh, all the big guys that have cash flow problems, uh, profits tanking, revenues are falling very difficult situation. So they've got a bunch of shareholders that say, look, monetize the end user as much as you can. So um, how the systems work is that there's an open channel for uh, legal intercept. Legal intercept is something that we don't play with, something that we must provide, and something that I agree, if you want to catch a terrorist or a paedophile or some bad person, um, that's not my job, that's the job of the regulator and the governments. So I, I'm perfectly accepting of that. What I don't accept is that Mobile network operators, and I'm not going to name any names, but you can just Google um, location-based uh, stuff uh, that, that, they're, that they're doing. They understand everything about us. So they can't listen in on our calls, but they understand when we wake up, when we go to sleep, when our wives or girlfriends or kids leave the house, when we come home. And they don't just understand our house, they understand the whole journey. It's not right. In the quest to be connected, we've actually given up our human rights we kind of accept it. And we don't just accept it, we pay for it. So we pay the mobile network operator 
and all of a sudden you're thinking, what am I paying for? Connectivity? Mm, you're not really just paying for connectivity. So we believe that adding this privacy layer in where we can stand up and say, we cannot see anything. You don't need to believe us. Here's your data. It's on a blockchain. If we unlock it, you'll see. If you want to share it with us for an incentive or you want to sell it, which, by the way, I don't recommend because it's a digital imprint of yourself, but uh, some people may choose to sell it, you can have the option to sell it. If you want to donate it, you have the option to donate it. But it's your right, it's your data, it's your information. You're paying for that. So privacy is something that kind of we've forgotten and something that World Mobile looks to bring back and should be the new standard for mobile network operators. And I think over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, all mobile network operators will have to put their hands up and say, look, we can't touch your data, right? And that's, that's very important. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's been lost in like the educational aspect of it. I don't think people have really been sort of correctly informed about what's going on. Like it might be in the terms and conditions, but like in all honesty, who reads those, right? No, you don't. You just get online. You want to browse TikTok. You want to watch uh, cheeky crypto videos, right? You want to you want to do your things, and then you shut down your phone, or you think you've shut it down, and and that's it. But it's not the case. Yeah. And then again, it's not me just saying this. Um, Go to do your own research. Look on look on Google. Look at the fines that mobile network operators around the world are, are getting now uh, for breaching um, what should they shouldn't breach. Yeah, it, it's a scary world out there for for sure. Is there anything else that perhaps we haven't covered that you'd like to share with with the audience? I think the the privacy thing is is something huge, and I think that. Um, Air nodes, right? Air nodes are what we call radios, right? And they're bundled up and we use off-the-shelf radios as much as we possibly can. But they're the first layer um, of connectivity and they're the first layer where actually mobile network operators can understand a lot more about you than they should. So putting up an air node outside your house, even if you don't have neighbours and you're not trying to fix your problem, is a great way to gain back your privacy, to have a private network. And our eSIM allows you to natively connect to the infrastructure, the world mobile infrastructure, when you pass it, but when you pass on to a different network, we work with partners so that you can have this seamless experience. We can't control what partners do, but we can support people who want to run the world mobile network to be far more private. And I think that the other thing that we must assume is, um, we mustn't assume, is that mobile network operators today, I said earlier on, they're suffering. They cannot. They might want to do a great job, but they just can't. It's the legacy infrastructure, the legacy business models don't allow them, allow them to do that. So, in a situation where um, the mobile networkers need mobile networks need help, we're there to help. We're there to complement. We're not there to compete. We're not going to overbuild where they are because that's silly, right? But we're, there's so many holes in connectivity that actually, if you filled in all those holes, you'd be the number one mobile network operator uh, in the USA, as an example. So one of our big business uh, models is wholesale. When you're running on BT or you're running on Orange or uh, you're running on, on EE, when you pass past one of our nodes, um, we will have deals or, or have deals already that then allow wholesale to come through. So by putting up a node, you're not just relying on having a world mobile subscriber, you're actually fixing the problem for other subscribers and getting paid for that. Yeah, I think... Uh... 
is a really interesting kind of project from uh, I guess from the outside looking in you're you're in it ingrained in it right it's day-to-day for for you but I think for our viewers like uh, there's probably like a, a lack of understanding so I think it's fantastic to to catch up with you and uh, it's a two trillion dollar industry yeah it's huge. right then people don't think about that but it's one of the biggest industries in the world and if you talk about mass adoption and you talk about how you bring real world to to crypto there's some really cool projects out there and they're doing some really good things and there's a lot of scams out there as well and a lot of rug pulls out there and it's kind of damaging our industry but things like world mobile or empower as an example as well um bringing real worlds into the blockchain to actually make a real use case for blockchain is something that we strive to do and uh, i think we're doing that pretty well yeah it's life-changing isn't it like you know um being connected is something that I think everybody kind of in like the West kind of takes for granted in the, in the vast majority of the West. Um, and yeah, the people seem to, to forget that there are people just in rural areas in, in certain Suffer. places. In Suffer. certain places, yeah. That's that, that, the, the, one of the biggest drivers, drivers for me was growing up, I lived in Somerset. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's too far from you guys. Yeah. Uh, nowhere's too far in the UK compared to, compared to the USA. But we lived in the hills. And uh, we had copper wiring, and we had 28 kilobytes, and then we had 50, 56 kilobytes, and then all of a sudden it didn't evolve. So we had people that were getting ADSL, and people that were like upgrading to their internet, and all of a sudden they had 10 megabytes a second. I was like, wow, how can I get that? And my mum used to apply for um, government programs or individual programs to put a microwave on the roof, and of course we, we never won because they'd give one microwave to every every hundred thousand people, and uh, you had to be pretty lucky. So being a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, and then going to my friend's house five or six miles away and seeing them have super fast internet, I was like, this isn't right. I, I can't do the same things as they, they do. I can't take opportunity into my own hands. So we do take it for granted, and there's many people out there. Half the world can't speak to the other half of the world, and that's, um, that's not right, first of all. But half the world also can't take opportunity. And there's great examples like India, soon to become the, one of the largest economies in the world. Uh, look at all the CEOs that have come out in the last 20 years running Microsoft, running all big companies. Uh, how villages, 200,000 villages were connected. All of a sudden those 200,000 villages make up 30% of the world's remittance. Cheap, affordable internet, fast internet allows people to take opportunity into their own hands. And it's not going to get smaller. It's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Capacity is only going to increase and increase and increase. So. We're very fortunate to be in this industry and very fortunate to be with one that actually can continue to grow for the next 100, 200, 300 years. And it doesn't matter to us. In fact, we welcome people coming into the space to, to fix this problem because it is a human right to be connected. Yeah, completely agree. Really appreciate you, um, you know, coming up and coming away from, from the conference, spend some time with us and uh, our audience. I think they're going to love the, the interview. So really appreciate that. And we'll have Thank to do it again much. soon. We'll Thank you very much. See. See you soon. Stay connected. Thanks. So there you have it. Mickey Watkins from World Mobile. Fantastic interview. It was brilliant to spend the time with not just Mickey, but also some of the World Mobile team. Really uh, enjoyed our time over in Las Vegas, chatting to everybody about their projects. And uh, I really do encourage people to go and research this project. Don't sleep on this one. Do think that this is a really cool 
uh, project that is going to be changing the world for the better and um, look a lot of people take you know that connection to to the internet uh, phone uh, lines and stuff like that for granted but there are many people out there that don't have that access don't have the opportunities and that is one of the things that I really do like about this project I encourage you to go away do your own research and see whether this is a project that resonates with you and um, yeah look let us know your thoughts and opinions in the comments below about this interview uh, look forward to catching up with world mobile mickey and the team in the future thoroughly enjoyed spending the time over in las vegas with the team uh, yeah look if you enjoyed the video uh, mash up the like button subscribe if you haven't subscribed already tap in that bell selecting all the notifications so you never miss a video and i will catch you in the next one take care